during, during, during the lunchtime, I spoke to s several men, and uh, it seems like there are several that might be interested in taking a trip to a mission field. And uh, if you might be interested, I certainly encourage you to pray about it. You'll never be the same. It'll change your life. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading in verse 35. All right, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Father, we want to thank you for the service this morning, first of all, what a blessing it was, and how our hearts were challenged. Thank you for those who came, and then thank you for the fellowship afterwards and question and answer time. And now, Lord, thank you for this evening's service, and as we open up your word tonight, uh, help us, Lord, to be faithful, to rightly divide the word of truth. Thank you for those who've come tonight. Thank you for our guest. Lord, I pray that the message will make a difference in each of our lives. We'll thank you for it, Lord. Speak to us, we pray, from your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew, I want to give you a little bit of a background here. In Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, uh, the Lord has just preached what we call the Sermon on the Mount. He is preaching directly to his disciples and indirectly to the multitudes that were gathered there on the mountain on that day. In chapter 8, he comes down off the mountain, and he begins to enter the city of Capernaum. And when he does, there are great crowds of people who follow him uh, all the way to Peter's home. You know, wherever the Lord Jesus went, there were always crowds of people who followed him. While there, he, uh, while there the Lord heals Peter's mother-in-law, and many others who were possessed with devils uh, are brought to him, and, he, and, and they were also healed. At this point, uh, the Lord may have been physically weary, I'm sure, and he commands his disciples to take a trip across the Sea of Galilee for a little R&R, &R, for a time of rest. And after arriving in the country of the uh, Gergesenes, he, he's met by a man who's possessed with devils. He heals him. And then when the people of the city find out what he did, they ask him to leave their country. You would think that they would want him to stay if they only knew the wonderful and gracious person who was in their midst and uh, what he could do for them. In chapter 9, the Lord Jesus returns to Capernaum. And immediately upon entering the city, he is met again by a throng of people who heard that he was back. And many of them, many of them have physical needs, they're suffering, and they're seeking some kind of help from him. Jesus then begins to journey around the surrounding 
cities and villages, and, and he continues to, continues to minister to the physical needs of the people. And while he's preaching and teaching and healing them, he sees beyond their physical needs to their spiritual condition. He's looking through the eyes of eternity. They're lost, and they need a shepherd and a savior. You know, I, I look around, and several of you, uh, you have the same problem I do. You're visually challenged. You know, I'll be so glad when I get my glorified body, and I won't have to wear these myopia modifiers anymore. That's what I call them. That's my condition, myopia. You know, as we grow older, our bodies begin to develop the five Bs. You know what they are? Baldness, bridges, bifocals. Mine, actually, mine are trifocals. Bulges and bunions. And just for the record, I want to say, and you've heard me say it, that growing old is not for sissies. Our bodies begin to deteriorate and become weaker, especially our eyes. Mine are beginning to develop cataracts, which uh, makes my vision a little blurry sometimes. And you know, as I mature, I'm noticing that I have to increase the size of uh, the print on my computer screen. Matter of fact, I have two. I have the main, monitor, the main screen, computer screen, then I have a, uh, another monitor, and I need both of them. And, uh, you know, at, at some point, at some point, uh, I'll probably have to have surgery to correct them. The cataracts, not the monitors, okay? Not only is our physical vision limited, but so is our spiritual vision. And the reason is because man is a finite being, and he cannot see the things things as they really are. Only an infinite God can see the true state of all things, physically and spiritually. Proverbs 5 and verse 21 says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Proverbs 15 verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God also sees the eternal. You see, God looked down the corridors of time, and he saw that you and I were lost without hope, and on our way to an eternal hell, and he did something about it, didn't he? Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I believe that many Christians today have, I guess I would call it, spiritual cataracts. And our vision is not as clear as it should be. 
We saw that this morning. I think we got a little glimpse of it, didn't we? Our eyes are covered with the clouding of the things of this world, sadly. Uh, some Christians are so caught up with their possessions and uh, their careers, their homes, their, their 401ks, their, their bank accounts, their ambitions, their own happiness, their own little kingdom that they cannot see the spiritual things of God. All they see is the temporal things of this world. And Paul put it like this in 1 Timothy 6, 7, we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. When we leave, we'll take absolutely nothing with us. You know, this morning we, we saw missions through Brother Manny's eyes, didn't we? What an eye-opener it was. I wish he was here because I want to thank him for sharing his vision this morning. We saw this morning what he has seen. And I want to also thank him for, uh, I thought about this this afternoon as I was finishing preparing. I want to thank him also for sharing about the brother who's losing his sight because of cataracts. And you know, that really touched my heart, Brother Tim. And I hope that we as a church can do something to help that brother. I don't know what we can do, but we can certainly pray, can't we? And maybe the Lord would help us have us to help him somehow. Can you imagine losing your sight? What if God would lift the spiritual cataracts that covers our eyes and allow us to see what Jesus saw? I wonder what would what would we see? Let's look at our text again. The first thing that, that Jesus saw was the sight of the crowds. It says, when he saw, in verse 36, and because of his great love for sinners, Jesus' heart was moved with compassion. And the word compassion is, is, it's full of tenderness, that word. It means to have the bowels yearn or to feel deep sympathy. Someone has said, I heard someone say this years ago, actually I think it was Warren Wiersbe who's with the Lord now. He said this, compassion is your hurt in my heart. Remember that. When I hurt for you in my heart like you're hurting, that's real compassion. You know, Jesus' life was a life full of love and compassion. Psalm 111 verse 4 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Jesus had a heart for missions. Jesus was the greatest missionary who ever lived. You know what a difference it would make, folks, if, if we could see what Jesus sees and if we could feel what he feels. Again, this morning we saw just a little glimpse of what Brother Manny has seen. Our eyes were open this morning. But you know, whenever the news got out that Jesus was in town, the crowds would gather. I said that earlier. And that's what he saw. He saw crowds of men and women and children. And he not only saw them as a crowd, but he saw them as individuals. And although he saw the crowds, 
He was deeply concerned about each person. Each person having physical, material, and spiritual needs. I'm sure that pastor does this. I'm sure that Brother Dave does this. And I've certainly have done this in my ministries. As I've stood in the pulpit and I look out over the crowds, I try to see individuals, not just a big crowd, but each individual person. And that's what Jesus saw when he went through these villages. The sight of the crowd. And you know what, folks? Jesus sees each person in this crowd tonight. Only maybe just few in number, and we're still a, a crowd, a little crowd, a small crowd, but he sees each of us individually. And his, his heart is touched because each of us are precious to him, and he loves you and me and is not willing that anyone here or anywhere in this world perish and spend eternity in a Christless hell. But he desires that everyone would receive him as their Savior. Now, what about you and I? Uh, are we concerned about the individual person we see in the crowds every day? How many of you go to Wally World? That's Walmart. We all go to Wally World, don't we? And what about the crowds we see there? Where are they going to spend eternity? As we're driving down the highways and we see all of these people, all these crowds. How many of you went to the Cheyenne Frontier days? What do they call it? Granddaddy of them all. Were, 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 were there crowds? Huh? The daddy of them all. Were, were there crowds there? Now, we've never been. You know, we lived here 26 years ago. And uh, we were here for four years, and we never went. Brother Jeff, we just never went. I, you know, I, I've got this thing about crowds. But what about those crowds we see every day? D does the sight of the crowds move our hearts with compassion? D does their hurt touch our hearts? Not only did the Lord Jesus see the sight of the crowds, but secondly, it, he saw the size of the crowds. The size of the crowds. Everywhere Jesus went, he, he, he attracted large crowds. Notice in verse 36, it says, the multitudes. And that word multitude means a large number. It means a throng, a great many. And had you and I been there observing him preaching and teaching and healing the sick, we would have seen what he saw. There were so many people there who needed him, not just one man or one woman, not just one family, but there were multitudes of people who needed the Lord Jesus. And so it is for us today, beloved. I looked on the uh, internet this afternoon, and I just wanted to verify it, but you know, the world's current population is now over 8 billion people. We can't imagine how many of that is, Brother Dave. Eight billion people. 7,000 languages, and many of them have never heard of Jesus Christ. 
and his love for them. And so does the size of the crowd move our hearts with compassion, knowing that the majority of these people will spend eternity separated from God forever. Not only did Jesus see the sight of the crowds and, and, and the size of the crowds, but thirdly, he saw the sufferings of the crowds. The sufferings. Notice it says again in verse 36, because they fainted. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. And that simply means it refers, that word fainted, it refers to the weariness and the fatigue which results from labor and being burdened. In other words, they were weary and they were tired and they were miserable and they were dejected and they were distressed. And how many people in this world are like that today? He saw people who were burdened with broken hearts and, and broken homes he saw sick people, old people, lonely people, poor people, battered people, confused people, and very religious people. You know, maybe you're here this evening and maybe you fit into some of these categories. And I've got really good news for you. Jesus sees your suffering. He knows what you're going through. He sees your broken heart. He sees your spiritual need. And his heart is moved with compassion for you. And Jesus loves all of those people. But Brother Manny, I don't know how many times he said it this morning. But those are dear people there. And you can tell that he loves those people. Amen. And the Lord Jesus knows what you're going through. And he cares. And you know, even in our church, some are. Uh, some of our folks are suffering, going through some trials, through some temptations. Not only did Jesus see the sight and the size and the suffering of the crowds, but fourthly, he saw the scattering of the crowds. The scattering. Notice it says they were scattered abroad. Well, what does that mean? Well, it simply means to separate, to separate and to go in different directions. You know, that's exactly what people are doing today, aren't they? All these people, they, they, they were all going in different directions. They were all going their own way, and they were all doing their own thing, perhaps thinking that their way was right. You know, there was a time in my life, Brother Jeff, when I thought I was doing, I was going the right direction. And I found out when I heard the gospel that Jesus loved me. He died for my sins. And he wanted me to be saved. He gave me the opportunity to hear the gospel. I was going my own way. That's the way it is today, folks, with so many people. Isaiah 53, verse 6 tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You may be here tonight, maybe you think your way is the right way. And there are a lot of people like that, Brother Corey. You meet them every day. You ask them, do you know the Lord? See what they say. Oh, yeah. 
You go to church, oh yeah, they couldn't even tell you who the pastor was. Everyone has their own religion, don't they? Everyone has their own way of getting to heaven. You take the high road and I'll take the low road. We'll all get there together. Everyone wants to be their own theologian today too. Making the Bible say what they think it says. It's a, it's a case of the blind leading the blind. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You know, God says that the very best that we can be and the best that we can do is like filthy, dirty rags. So does it move our hearts, folks, with compassion when, when we see people going their own way through life, trying to get to heaven on their own without Jesus? Remember this, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way. There's only one way, and that's Jesus. It's not the church. It's not religion. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm the way and the truth. And without me, without the truth, you're an heir. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So you may be here this evening, and you think you'll get to heaven your own way apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you think you know better than God. And that by your own righteousness, you'll make it to heaven. Well, Jesus sees the direction you're taking, and it moves his heart with compassion. So not only did Jesus see the sight and the size and uh, the sufferings and the scattering of the crowds, but fifth, he saw the separation of the crowds. Separation. He says in verse 36, they were as sheep having, what? No shepherd. You see, the shepherd you recall when we did our series on Psalm 23, what is the responsibility of the shepherd? The shepherd was supposed to protect his sheep, to look after them and to feed them. But that was the problem. The people didn't have a shepherd. And that's why they were all going their separate ways. You know, God gives churches pastors. And that's his responsibility to shepherd the flock, to protect the flock, to feed the flock. And like many so-called spiritual leaders are doing today, you know, just do the best you can. Just join the church. Just be baptized. Just be a good person. Pay your taxes. Treat your spouse right. Just live a purpose-driven life. Just be your best self now. And you know what? Everything will be all right. Just do the best you can. In John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. These people were lost as sheep without a shepherd. And you know what? When you don't have a shepherd, you're separated from God by your sin. That's why Jesus came, isn't it? To be our shepherd and to save us from our sin. Does it move our hearts with compassion 
when we see the separation from God of so many who do not have a shepherd and will die and again spend eternity without God. We're going to bring this to a close. Not only did Jesus see the sight and the size and the sufferings and the scattering and the separation of the crowds, but he also saw the shortage of workers. The shortage of workers. Have you noticed the shortage of workers we have today in our, in our country, I mean in our city, in our country? Everywhere you go, you see signs now hiring. But the problem is, sadly, that there are many who don't want to work. And so as Jesus saw the side of the crowd and, and the size of the crowd and, and the sufferings of the crowd and, and the scattering of the crowd and the separation of the crowd, he sees the shortage of workers. And we heard a little bit about that this morning, didn't we? There's a shortage of laborers, folks. He sees the crowd. He sees the shortage of workers. And then he does something. He turns to his disciples, and with a heart full of compassion, he gives them a prayer request. Notice verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Watch verse 38. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Seeing the shortage of workers for such a great task, he asks them to pray for more labors. And you know, I believe, now you correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is the only prayer request that Jesus gave us. Pray ye therefore. Pray that's something that everybody can do, amen? We can all do that. We can all pray. But here lies one of the problems in missions today. There's still a shortage of labors for the harvest. There's an abundant harvest, but there's an absence of labors. So what can we do? What are you willing to do? We were challenged this morning. You know, Brother Jeff, there was a time when, when I was in the Air Force and in our church we used to have missionaries come at least once a month. And I remember listening to these missionaries and in my heart I wanted to go to every play, every country that they represented. I, I did. I wanted to go everywhere. And we did finally get to where God wanted us to be in England. And you know, you can pray for the lost. You and I can pray today. You say, well, I'm not able to go. Well, you can pray for the lost who, are, who, who, who aren't saved and, and for the missionaries who are trying to reach them like Brother Manny. Or you can go and take the gospel to the lost yourself. Or you can do as we did over the last few months. Uh, we can give so that others can go you know what? When it comes to missions, everyone can do something.
So when Jesus saw what, what Jesus saw that day, it moved his heart with compassion. And he did something about it. Again, compassion is your hurt and my heart, but compassion is also investing everything necessary to heal the hurt of others. And do whatever it takes. Give whatever it takes. How many of you thought about maybe some of the things that you have laying around your home that you could possibly give to missions? Well, we did. And we have. Jesus saw the hurt of missionaries. And you know what he did? He went to the cross and he invested himself for you and I. So what are you willing to invest to reach the lost? I read somewhere that there are still untold millions around the world who are dying untold. They've never heard the gospel. Does that move our hearts with compassion? Who will give so that others can go? Who will pray for laborers to go? Who will personally go and tell them of Jesus? He has shown us, folks, how to have a heart for missions. And his was a heart full of love and compassion for people. What would you be, what would you be willing to give or to do? I heard, I heard someone say this once. What would you be willing to do or to give for someone you loved? Well, here's what God did. For God's soul, help me, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. After his resurrection and before his ascension into heaven, Jesus gave his disciples what is called the Great Commission. You see that in Matthew 28. In Mark's gospel, Mark 16, 15, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He gave a commission, and a commission is an authoritative order. It is a command. It is a charge. And the Great Commission is not a suggestion, by the way, but it's a command. And this commission was not only given to his disciples, but also to you and I. And because this Great Commission has never been completed, it has never been canceled, and it has not been changed, it's still in force today just as much as it was when Jesus gave it to his disciples. I'm beginning to pray that perhaps I might have the opportunity to go in January. I spoke to a couple of men this morning and they said, yeah, me too. Wouldn't it be wonderful for some of us to be able to go and see what we saw this morning through Brother Manny's eyes. But more important than seeing what Manny has seen, we need to see what Jesus sees. Amen. May the Lord give each of us a heart for missions. May he help us to see what Jesus saw. The sight, the size, the sufferings, the scattering, the separation, and the shortage of workers. Amen.
You know, all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Pastor.